And I was just telling our, our worship team weeks ago, just saying, I need to be better about sharing vision and about sharing direction. Because of some places that I want to go in the Lord, that I want this church to go in the Lord, because I don't want to be on a carousel. I don't want to just go to church to do church, to be a church. I want to make a difference. I want this church to make a difference. And that's not going to be primarily through me or Pastor Amy. Guess who it's going to be by? The body. God wants to do something different. You probably heard the story of David and his mighty men. You're the mighty men and women, right? Doesn't matter how young or how old you are. God's going to use all of us in ways that it's going to surprise you. I'm believing for that. I told our worship team, I'm going to light myself on fire, and I want you to light yourselves on fire too. Let's go some places in the spirit. Let's press in because there's something about to come. We can't keep going down the same road that we've been going down expecting different results. We keep doing the same thing, expecting things to change. What's that the definition of? Insanity, right? Let's stop being insane. Let's stop following that path. Let's forge new paths. The Lord's wanting to do some new things. The way the modern church has been going I look at the world around us and I'm like, dear Jesus, forgive us. What have we been doing? I just went to a meeting a couple weeks ago and a couple members of our, our church went to uh, talking about the, some new curriculum they're introducing in the public schools here in Ireland. And it's not just Ireland, it's a lot of different places. And it's basically, to put it short, it's the sexualization of our children. And they have things in place as young as junior infants. They're starting with the, the junior cert year in the curriculum, teaching all sorts of different things. They're even teaching and introducing pornography in the public school system. We have some leaflets back there. And there's a, some group of pastors and citizens and things that, that met. There was a TD uh, there from Antu. Um, there was a barrister that was there. There was a, I forget his name, from Gripped Media. John McCurk, was that his name? John McCurk. But there's things happening, and I'm not saying that I want to necessarily get political because I don't think political action is uh, what's really going to change things. The world's on a course, right? We can read the Bible. We know what's going to happen in the last days. The world's on a course, collision course. But we can pray, and we can be a light, we need, and I'm going to be talking about this morning, we need the Holy Spirit. A lot of churches are putting the Holy Spirit on the back burner, you know, putting him behind the curtains, you know, we're not going to go there. We need the Holy Spirit. Who cares what I have to say, right? The only thing you care about is from God's Word, right? My opinions don't really matter. God's Word does. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, he confirms this Word. And that's what changes hearts. That's what's going to change this nation, is the move of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're after. And I'm not concerned about being popular, being some popular YouTube preacher or whatever. I don't care about any of that. All I want is to be part of a group of people who are hungry for a move of the Holy Spirit in this nation. When has Ireland had a revival? When, when was the last time? 
When have we had a move of the Holy Spirit that the world just cannot contain? When have we had that? Someone tell me. We don't know. It's been a long time, right? We need that. If we want to make a difference in this nation, we need to be partners with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're after. So as the pastor of this church, as the pastor of a church, this church, I want to share just my heart. I want to be frank with you and just let you know this is the direction that I'm going. I am in hot pursuit of God's presence. Because if I, I know that if I can abide there, if I can stay there and get some of that tangibly on me, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come, everyone around me is going to feel that. They're going to know that God's presence is real. This is something that we're very passionate about. We want people to come to this church and experience God. I don't care about coming to experience dead, dry religion or some useless philosophy. We need to experience God in our church services. If we don't have that, we're not going to have any of this. And everything else is just pointless and useless. Let's just close the doors and go home. We need to have the Holy Spirit here in our midst. And that's what we're after during praise and worship. Just welcoming in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Break my heart. Break my heart, Lord. You know, I'm not from Ireland. The Lord sent me here. I have a heart for Ireland. I love this nation. This is where I've made my home. I don't want to be here and do nothing. I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for a reason. And I'm going to make my life count. Your life counts. Your life matters. Because the people around you need you. But not necessarily just you. They need who's on the inside of you. They may not even know it. They probably don't know it. They just know when you leave this place and you get the, the Holy Spirit, get that presence, get that anointing upon you, and you go out to wherever you are during the week, like they sense that. They feel that. There is something different about this person. I don't know what it is. I just want to be around them. And they start asking you questions, and you start being able to share the gospel with them. You start being, being able to share what's, what the Lord's been doing inside of your heart for years and years and years. You start being able to share with them, and lives are changed and make a difference. That's what this church is about. You know, coming out of COVID, we were going to launch a church before COVID in 2020. Things changed drastically. Coming out of COVID, the Lord actually changed the name of our church to Triumph Church. Because it's time for Christ's church to start being and acting like who he has created us to be. What is his church supposed to look like? What did it look like in the book of Acts? That's what I'm after. The Bible says that it's going to be the, the former reign and the latter reign coming together in the last days. What is that going to look like? Well, we can see a picture of the, of the former reign there, right, in the book of Acts. Like, imagine what it's going to be like in the last days here. The world is getting darker and darker and darker. That just makes us, the church, shine all the more brighter. But we need the Holy Spirit. We can't rely on all the showmanship and gimmicks to win the lost. We need the Holy Spirit to do that. That's the direction of this church. And I'm hoping... That as I light myself on fire, 
that all of you are going to light yourselves on fire as well. I may be the pastor, but we are partners. We are in this together. I believe that the Lord is calling people who are like-minded, who are like faith, who likewise want to see a move of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have that. I don't want to pick on any other church. I'm not worried about what they're doing. I want to be concerned about what we're doing. Not me, what we're doing. Amen? We're a team, myself and you. We're a team. We're partners in this together. The Lord's calling a group of people to take this. You know, you have Joshua and Caleb. There was a lot of spies that went into the promised land. And what did they see? They saw giants. They were fearful. They came back, and they didn't want to go into the promised land. But there was two people, Joshua and Caleb. That's us, people of faith who said, the Lord is well able. We can go into that land, and we can subdue it. That's Triumph Church. That's what we're doing. That's the direction that we're going. And we're going to do that by having a strong foundation in God's word. Like, this is our bread. This is what we eat daily. God's word. Being led by the Spirit of God, this church, and you individually in your life, and then reaching out to the world around us. This is our DNA. This is what this church is called to. This is what we're going to do. This is the direction that we're going, and we're partnering together to do that. We're going to start today in the book of Luke, in verse 11, verse 13. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit a lot in this church. But we need the Holy Spirit. He's who Jesus sent to partner with us to fulfill the Great Commission. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot do that. Impossible. How can we possibly expect to reach this world in our power, in our might? It takes something much greater than that. None of us are that big, are we? I've been around the world to a number of different places on a number of missions trips. I'm not that big. I need the Holy Spirit to be able to even reach one person. Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I think I'm an all right father. I think I do an okay job. I've made mistakes. I'm not perfect. But yet I love my kids. And I'll do anything for my kids. And I'll give them good gifts and good things. Take care of them. Provide for them. But our heavenly Father, he's perfect. How much more is he willing to provide for us? And he says here that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a gift. He's a gift to us. Gives the Holy Spirit to us. Why did he give the Holy Spirit to us? We're going to go through that this morning. In John chapter 14 and 16 and 17, says, Jesus says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Do you know what Jesus is referring to here? He's referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we need that helper. I don't know, if you're like me, then you really need the helper, right? I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I can't be the father that I want to be without the help of the Holy Spirit. I can't be the husband that I want to be without the help of the Holy Spirit. I can't be the pastor that I endeavor to be without the help of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm not the only one in that boat, am I? 
We need the Holy Spirit. Jesus never intended for his followers to live without the Holy Spirit in their lives. It was never a thought in his mind that one of his followers would not receive the Holy Spirit. We need his leading in our lives. We need his empowerment to follow after Christ. We need the Holy Spirit in this church. We need his presence. We need his guidance. We need his gifts. We need his power. Too many churches and believers live and function without the Holy Spirit in their lives. But this is contrary to what Jesus intended. The modern church, like I said, has turned to showmanship and gimmicks in their abandonment of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You have to have something to reach people if you don't have the Holy Spirit. It's not that those things are bad. It's okay to have the lights and have the, the smoke and the loud music, like whatever it is that you have. But if you're doing those things as a crutch to replace the ministry and the movement of the Holy Spirit in your church, you are going to be limited in what you can do. I don't want to be limited. I want to be led. I want the Holy Spirit. I want his power here. I want his, the gifts of the Spirit in operation in this church. And that's not going to be just from myself or Pastor Amy. It's going to be from you. We can't share the gospel with power and demonstration without the help of the Holy Spirit. We cannot have revival without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that produces revival. You take the Holy Spirit out of the equation, you cannot have revival. We need the Holy Spirit. We can't afford to live without the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit in our family. We need the Holy Spirit in this church. You know, this world is blowing up. Like, it's getting absolutely mad out there. It really is. Like we're, we're throwing science out, the, like we're throwing everything out the window. Like it's like anything goes these days. You know, the Bible actually says that in the last days, people would follow after doctrines of demons. What we're seeing right now, that has to be doctrine of demons. It makes no sense in any way, shape, or form, the things that are going on. And the attacks on the family attacks on kids like everything it's crazy like i was just telling uh, one of our church members at the at the meeting that it was just not too long ago that we were going a direction to put all these protections to children we have all this guard of vetting and different things because there was a lot of things happening to children so they swung the pendulum the other way you know where it's like we've got to take care of the children right I don't know what happened in such a short period of time, but that pendulum has shifted the other way now where they're just throwing everything out the window. Like, it's so bad. Like, Pastor Amy and I are really praying about starting a Christian private school because when they start teaching junior infants that you can be whatever sex you want, we need to start doing some things as the church to protect our kids. So that's something we're praying about. That's a big endeavor, yeah. right? We need a building for something like that. Yeah. You know, we need money for something like that. You know, the government's not going to say, here, here's a building for you. Here's money to do that. No, they're, we're going to have opposition to that. But we need those kind of things here in Ireland, don't we? But we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our helper. In John chapter 14, 16, Jesus says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. That word helper in the Greek is the word parakletos or paraclete. 
like a lot of other Greek words, it's really hard to translate that into the English language in one word. To translate that, it means comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby. Those are, when you, when you say the Holy Spirit is the helper, like that's trying to put all those things in one basket. This is what he does. He is our helper. But he helps us in a lot of different areas. Comforter. He helps when you're going through times of sorrow or difficulty, letting you know how much God loves you. Not only does he pick you up, but he builds you up. Counselor helps you when you need guidance and direction. Because a lot of times we need guidance and direction in our lives, right? Helper, he assists you in whatever it is that you have need of. Advocate, he helps by working in, on your behalf. Intercessor, the Holy Spirit helps you to pray even when you don't know what to pray for. And if you're like me, a lot of times you don't know what to pray for. Like this world is getting so mad, we have to lean so heavily upon the Holy Spirit, just desperate for his leading and guidance because there's a lot of decisions that we're going to have to make ahead. I'm gonna tell you the honest truth, things are not going to get better for the church. The world is going to start becoming more and more hostile towards things that are righteous and towards things that are holy. And as believers, we have to be strong. We have to be able to have that foundation in knowing that in the, whole, that in the Holy Spirit that we're le being led and, and guided by him in everything that we do. Because there's a lot of decisions that we're gonna have to make as families, as a church, whatever it may be, right? Social media is becoming a hostile place for anything righteous or holy. Like at some point, Churches are going to have to retreat from social media. It's great for advertising and putting things out there and trying to reach people now. A lot of people that are in our church are here because of social media advertising, but at some point, that's going to become such a hostile environment that we're not even going to be able to function there. That's the direction that the world is going, but when the dark gets darker, the light gets lighter. And when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we have, been, we have not been given a spirit of fear, have we? We don't need to be afraid of the path that we're going, of the direction that this world is going. It's not something that we need to be afraid of. You know, one person just told me, Brad, you were the first pastor that I heard coming out of COVID that that was something that we do not have to be afraid of. It never was something we had to be afraid of. I'm not afraid of any of that stuff. I'm not afraid of cancer. I'm not afraid of anything. We have authority through Christ, through his word. We don't need to fear the enemy. We don't need to fear the devil. We don't need to fear this world. We've got the greater one on the inside of us. And if God is for me, I like to say it like this, if God is for me, then who cares? Right? The world's opinion does not even matter. If God is for me and he's who I'm going to stand before one day, right. he's the only one that I'm accountable to. I'm not accountable to anyone else in this world except for God. And he's the one that I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. We talked about last week in our Bible study in the eternal judgment that what's God looking for? What are we going to stand before God for and that we're going to be held accountable for? It's going to be obedience obedience to his word, obedience to his, direct, his direction, obedience to what he's asking of us to do. And all of our lives are completely different. He is not asking you to do the same thing that he's asking the person sitting next to you. 
Your life is different. There's things that he's asking you to do, and you're part of the body. We need all of us to do our part in order for this to function. And when you have a group of people, you look at like the 12 disciples, right? Those guys were kind of messed up. You look at Peter. He's cutting off people's ears. Like the guy's a little messed up, but the Lord used him in mighty ways. It wasn't long after that, you know, he's trying to protect Jesus, cutting off a Roman soldier's ear, and he can't even stand up to a little girl who says, hey, weren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Oh, no, it wasn't me. No, it's not me, not me. You're, you're thinking someone else. It's probably that other guy that looks like me. Like he couldn't even stand up to a little girl. And then when the Holy Spirit came and he got baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit in power, what happened? On that day of Pentecost, he stood up in front of a massive crowd. And you had thousands of people give their hearts to the Lord. He had to stand before religious leaders who said, nah, don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. You can do whatever else you want, but not in the name of Jesus. No, I'm going to be obedient to my Heavenly Father. I'm going to be obedient to my Lord and Savior. And if he tells me to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all men, then I don't care what it is you have to say. I'm going to be obedient to God. And we're all going to stand before the Lord one day and be held accountable to what he is asking of you to do. Amen? Should I smile after that? Amen. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 to 5, it says, and be assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. now I want to look at a few interesting things here, because you notice at the beginning of that, in verse 4, it says, he commanded them. That's kind of a strong word, commanded them, isn't it? You know, when I worked in retail management years ago, if I wanted some employees to do a task in our store, I would ask them the first time, I'd say, hey, David, can you go stock those shelves over on aisle, whatever, it's starting to look a little bit light. I'd ask. I'd be polite. I'd walk over, 30 minutes later, the shelves still look the same. Hey, David, can you go over to that aisle? Remember when I asked you earlier, 30 minutes ago? Hey, can you go, please do that? It's starting to look a little, a little light. I'd go back there, and those shelves still weren't stocked. David, remember when I asked you, and I asked you again? I'm not asking again. I'm telling you. I want you to go, go to the back stock room, get what I need you to get to in order to stock those shelves. If you don't do it this time, we're going to have a conversation. That's not a conversation I want to have because I like you, and I don't, like, I don't want to be mean. I like to be nice. Jesus went straight he skipped the ask. He went straight to the command. I am telling you, do not leave Jerusalem until I send the Holy Spirit. Why was that so important to Jesus? Why did he skip the ask and he went straight to the command? Billy, stay in Jerusalem. I don't want you leaving. Don't go wandering off like you usually do. I have to go send the disciples to find you. Stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. What happened on that day of Pentecost? Huh? Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 7. He said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, 
I will send him to you. So Jesus says that it is to your advantage. Advantage of what? It's to our advantage that Jesus left and ascended to heaven where he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, right? So that he could send the Holy Spirit. Now what's interesting about this, this kind of like tells me something. If it was to his advantage that he leaves so that he could send the Holy Spirit, that, would, that, would, that tells me that there has to be, if he didn't leave, if he didn't send the Holy Spirit, that that would be to our disadvantage. If we don't have the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are operating at a disadvantage. How many of you want to operate, wake up in the morning and have the advantage over the devil in your life? You want to have the advantage over all those circumstances, all those situations, all those trials, all those tribulations. You want to have the advantage over all of that, don't you? Don't you? I do. That's why I'm desperate for the Holy Spirit. Absolutely desperate for the Holy Spirit in my life. I know that what the Lord has asked of me to do, I can't do without the help of the Holy Spirit. I need him. If I'm going to be the pastor that I need to be, I need the Holy Spirit. For you to reach the people around you, you need the Holy Spirit. What's so cool about the Holy Spirit is oftentimes when you're ministering to someone, he'll just like drop information to you and you'll know exactly how to minister to that person. You need the Holy Spirit. We don't want to operate without the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're at a disadvantage. Jesus said it is to our advantage. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus said that you will receive power. Do you know what that word power means? It's, the, it's a Greek word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. You ever seen an explosion? I have, up close and personal. Took a missions trip to India years ago. Don't know if I told this story before. Had, uh, one of my roommates went with me, and he brought back like these tinfoil balls. Fireworks. We didn't know what they were. Brought them back in his luggage on an airplane. Back then, I guess it was cool. <laughs> so we get, we get back to the States after uh, that missions trip. We're like, cool, let's let off some fireworks, right? Go in our back garden, get like this tin, big tin can and put one of those in. It has a long fuse. We light it and run away. We had no idea what was going to happen. Oh my gosh. It was an explosion. An explosion. It left a crater in the back garden. We had no idea where that tin, that coffee tin went to. It just disappeared. I have no idea. Neighbors called the police. We had police come. It was a massive explosion. Dunamis. Dynamite. Power. Jesus said, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be filled with power. Not power of Brad, power of God. No wonder the devil's so scared of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because if we realize, one, if we realize who we are in Christ, and then we're given that kind of power, hello. Did you know that word power is used 120 times in the New Testament? Dunamis. It means miraculous power. Might, strength. Jesus is saying in Acts chapter 1-8, he's talking about the explosive 
miraculous power of God, work of the Holy Spirit through his church, through his believers. If you open up, if you have a physical copy of the Bible, and you open up to the book of Acts, and it says, The Acts of the Apostles. That's what they titled it, The Acts of the Apostles. It's not necessarily the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Apostles and the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, that's really what they should have titled the book of Acts. Because the apostles couldn't have done what they did without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until I send the Holy Spirit. He commanded them. It wasn't a nice ask. He commanded them. It was important to him. He knew that if the disciples and the church were going to be able to fulfill the commission that he gave them to preach the gospel and to make disciples, they needed the best partner that there was available. And who was that? It was the Holy Spirit, wasn't it? Let's look at a few examples in the New Testament. In Luke, Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, Then Jesus returned in the power, or the miraculous power of God, in the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Peter, when he was preaching to Cornelius, in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, of course, we expect that of Jesus, right? We expect Jesus, who came to show us the Father and to destroy the works of the devil, but he came to show us, he didn't come just to show us the Father. He came to show us how he wanted us to be. You remember when he sent out the 12, right? He told them to go preach the good news, lay hands on the sick. In Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8, it says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, Raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And then later, Jesus sends out 70. So he's multiplying this, right? It's not just, sometimes we look at things religiously and we say, well, Jesus just set things up for the apostles and that was for them. But later he sends out 70. Those aren't the 12 disciples. Those are followers of his. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 8, it's talking about Stephen. You all know Stephen? And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now, Stephen was one of those where, where the disciples were like, listen, we're being bogged down so much by the daily activities of the church. We're not able to spend the time in God's word. We're not able to spend the time in prayer and do the things that we need to do. We need some people who can help take care of, you know, the details of the church. Stephen was one of those. You could say he was waiting tables for the widows and orphans in, in the church, right? And what was he doing as a waiter? He was full of faith and power and did great wonders and signs among the people. It's a normal guy, as normal as you and I, right? This wasn't one of the 12 disciples. This was someone that the disciples said, hey, we need help. But he was so full of faith and full of power from the Holy Spirit that he did great signs and wonders. I've prayed for people on the job site, and I've had people get healed in our back stock room at my job doing the works of Jesus because I'm full of faith and that miracle working power of God through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit gives us the advantage. The advantage to what? One, to be a witness 
for Christ. And two, to be able to live our lives for Christ. Jesus was very intentional sending the Holy Spirit. He sent him as our helper. You know, I have a, I have a cup here, a little tumbler of water. I probably need to drink more. It doesn't look like I drink much of any at all. But our lives is like this, and we're giving out all the time, aren't we? I, eventually, that water gets down so far, you know, like you can't even say it's, you know, half full anymore, trying to be positive. It's just almost empty, right? We feel like that a lot of times in our lives, or we feel almost empty. That's where we need to plug into the Holy Spirit. In Jude, it says, pray in the Spirit to build yourself up. We need to pray in the Holy Spirit. Every chance that you get, pray in the Holy Spirit to build yourself up. And then in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, really, well, never mind. I'm, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. So unless you have the tr Passion Translation, it wouldn't really do you any good. It says, and don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. Be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. I want to give two, two calls this morning. If you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit, I am awkwardly moving the stand. In Acts chapter 8, verse 14 through 17, it says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who... When they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had not, fa he had not fallen upon the any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give a call here. Anyone who has not been filled with the Holy Spirit, if you want to be, if you want to live in that advantage, I'm just going to have you come to the front here. David, if you just want to play the guitar. And I'm going to lay hands on you, and we're going to, together, hook our faith up with one another, and the Holy Spirit's going to come and fill you. I also have another call. If you feel like you're almost drained, you're almost tapped out, you need a refreshing. You need the Holy Spirit just to fill you back up being filled continually with the Holy Spirit. I want you to come up too. And we're going to lay hands on you. And we're going to believe that God is going to fill you up. Fill you up to overflowing. So if you want the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you want that advantage. If you're as desperate for God and his move in my life as, then come forward. You need the Holy Spirit. If you need a refreshing from the Holy Spirit, come forward. You need that. Don't leave today without that advantage. Don't leave today without being empowered, endued with the miraculous power of God. Amen? We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Listen, God needs you. He needs you to go out into this world and light yourself on fire for him. What happened in the, in the early church, in the book of Acts? Because it wasn't just the 12 disciples. 
There were a lot of miracles that the 12 disciples were doing. But as the church was scattered, it says that the, the church went everywhere. They went everywhere. And when they did, they went with the power and the equipping of the Holy Spirit and preached the gospel. And they saw signs and wonders, the same signs and wonders. Jesus says, the works that I do, you shall do also. Then he goes on to say, and even greater works than these. But let's just concentrate on the same works that Jesus did. Laying hands on the lepers, laying hands on the sick, laying hand on the wounded, the maimed. Do you know what maimed means? It means like you're missing an appendage, right? Jesus laid hands on people that were missing appendages, and they were restored. He gave, laid hands on people, and people's eyes who were blind could see. That's what he wants to do through us. But it starts with us just being full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and allow the Holy Spirit to use us in our lives.